Hi, I'm John. And I'm Colin. And I'm Clarence's Tiny Bell. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. You, you, you want the moon, Mary? Well, I'm going to throw a lasso around and pull it down for you. Cue the theme song. Look, Daddy, look at this. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow, and the next day, tomorrow, and next year, and the next day, and next year, and the year after that, tomorrow, and the next day, and the year after that, and next year, and I'm going to see the world. I'd say you were nothing but a scurvy little spider. Strange, isn't it? He leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Hey, that's a pretty good idea. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. All right. <laughs> world War Two is over. And James Stewart decides as his first movie back to do It's a Wunderbar Life. It's a Wonderful Life, 1946. Directed by Frank Capra. And we have Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, Lionel Barrymore. I don't know. The rest of the cast, probably not going to be a bunch of famous people. Um, Are you saying that? Are you saying that? Jimmy Stewart was in World War II and then the war ended and he came back and he did this movie? Well, actually, um, James Stewart uh, enlisted in the Army Air Corps. Uh, They didn't take him in 1940, but then they did take him in 1941 when he gained a bit more weight. He had some experience as a pilot. He was old, but he um, he went from private to colonel in four years. And he continued to be a member of the um, of the Army Air Corps until he became a brigadier general in I think around 1959. So to say this guy is like a super decorated um, military veteran is an understatement. He's of any person who's ever acted in Hollywood. Obviously, brigadier general is the highest rank that any military serving person has ever had. So I did not know any of that. Yeah. He's so. Super- about the movie, I was like, no, they go into it. That's not certain. so. It was actually like a decorated war hero, this guy. Yep, yep. And so, this was his first movie back for him and for Frank Kappa, the director. Um, and so it was very emotional and special. And when I was reading up on some of this stuff, some of the um stories of how um they had to cut a scene uh between him and Donna Reed when they were making out that whole telephone scene which is a slow, passionate burning scene, which confused me because things are different socially now than they were back then. But um, they had to cut part of that scene because the film uh, critics at the time deemed it to be like too steamy and passionate. They, that was un, un, unrehearsed, they say. He was like unsure about how to do it. And they're like, let's just try it. And he's like, all right, baby. What And it worked. I'm just going to grab you by the pussy, Donna. I, I like, well, we'll talk about it later, but I... I feel there's some very interesting things going on with the uh, the courting in the their relationship. Oh, so. it's a different time. You're allowed to be like... You're allowed to grab her by the shoulders and shake her and scream at her. Yeah, and you're allowed to strike a boy incredibly hard across the face. Oh, man, time. yeah. But as long as you apologize right after. So It's a Wonderful Life follows the adventures of George Bailey as he uh, grows up in this very small town. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Anybody? Anybody? Bedford Falls. And uh, we basically follow moments in his life, and then he gets a little down on himself and needs to do some self-discovery, I would say. 
So that's the story of George. So um, uh, as a um, um, transparency message, whatever, post bulletin, whatever the fuck, I had not really ever watched this movie start to finish. And so uh, I'm not going to really be able to give too much commentary on how it holds up, but certainly be able to to put my my two cents in on on what I thought of it now and how I think it might have impacted everything and give a good idea maybe I don't know yeah I also haven't seen it before um I haven't seen a lot of movies like this I don't I, like I've never seen a Jimmy Stewart movie in my life yeah I'm kind of the same um as big a movie fan as I was I it was more modern movies that my family was always into not really the classics uh and maybe that's not fair to say and i just didn't watch the older ones like sound of music and stuff like that i was i would have watched but that would have even been uh years after this so you know this is heyday silver screen kind of era stuff and um this is our oldest movie by by like probably two decades yep uh because i think it's 47 right john 46 yeah, and we did Godfather was since Shining would have been sixties. Well, Godfather, no, Shining seventies. Godfather is sixties. though, wasn't sixty eight. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're right. I think so. that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's about twenty years or twenty years uh, earlier than any other movie we've ever reviewed. So that definitely makes uh, it interesting. It's black and white. So yeah, it's definitely that movie we've ever done. Yeah, that is true too. And like both, like what I remember are you know every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. But that might be more from uh, the other famous movie that shows that scene. Um, uh, yeah, Christmas uh, Vacation. Yeah, that's right. Christmas Vacation does have that scene. Yeah, so yeah. that's probably where I'm recognizing it. There's references from this that I only realized were from this after well, watching it. Okay, so this is a yeah, his wings stuff like. I have no idea where that comes from before. My my favorite um, pop culture reference from this is in Saturday Night Live when um, Dana Carvey used to do Jimmy Stewart and they did like a, a re-edited version skit of this movie um, where he beats up, they find out that Potter can actually walk. He's not even a cripple. Let's get him. And then the whole town like beats the shit out of water. That's <laughs> it was awesome. Really funny. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. I'm going to look that up for sure. Yeah, um, and he does spot on Jimmy Stewart, Dana Carvey. So that was great too. Carvey's awesome. Yeah, he's great at the impressions. So, but, so the beginning have, of this movie yeah. is interesting because it starts with um, the angels in heaven. Okay, so a little celestial conversation there. Yeah, which I, I kind of forgot about and kind of liked. I so here's the thing with me in this. I wondered. I I I didn't love it, and I actually wondered what the movie would have been like without all of the angels' introduction at the start and the voiceover, and then later on when Clarence shows up, there's no explanation. He just starts talking and acting as he does, and you don't. The audience doesn't have any of the precursor. I thought it would have been really cool because you would have thought Clarence was really crazy and then you would have started to doubt yourself and believe he's an angel and then he kind of sees things through says he gets his wing and disappeared you didn't maybe need all the setup um with the angels because i i didn't um it was it was harmless because i can't like can you imagine how they had to do all the effects at the start 
they had the the titles they were just pulling cards off a deck like this really set the stage for me as it was opening of exactly how old and like how how uh rudiment not rudimentary is not the right word they were cutting edge at the time but how much different and better it is now like no graphics everything hand drawn they must have like used lighting and and markers and erasers for some of the background stuff with the with the stars just shining lights in the background like no that's the thing it does make you appreciate when you see stuff like this that stood out to me too like i was like you get a little bit more of a feeling about what they had to do to to manage some of these visuals or like some of the stuff is just you just have to throw yourself into a river type of thing you know what i mean yeah yeah it's not a lot of shortcuts no there were absolutely none and um so one other cool thing in the opening is when they finally show George as the age that he's going to be for most of the movie. And it does the freeze frame on him. And it's like from any like teen movie I've ever seen. We're like, Hey, this is me. I'm a real douchebag back then. It was like, and they held the freeze frame for way too long as they talked about him and his problems and all that stuff, which, you know, most of which you end up seeing later on as it comes anyway. So I, that, that's one of the reasons I wasn't too huge on all the, on all the angel opening. Um, I agree with you, actually, to tell you the truth. I think that the movie would be much more interesting without that. You you go through the movie as it is. You show George getting um, knocked down time and time again, but being the good man. And then you do. You introduce Clarence. We, as the audience, have no idea if he's legitimate or not. But him and Jimmy do go on a trip back in time to do a what-if. Yeah. Uh, the what-if machine from Futurama. <laughs> and... Um, and they go on this thing, and then at the end, he gets that gift, right? Yep. And then here's the bell, and you're like, God damn it, he was or was not, and it's all coincidence. But, um, I mean, it has to be, unless he's just tripping, but... <laughs> do, you, ben, do you guys still think you keep the flashbacks of him as a child when he was younger? Or do you just go to him as an adult, and you don't really need those flashbacks, because... Because he explains he saved this guy and he did this to the angel. And he's like, he can't be dead. I saved him. He's like, well, you weren't here to save him. Do we need to see him saving his Do we need to see? I like it because later it would feel shoehorned in if all of a sudden you're like, oh, and there's a fucking brother's like dying thing. Like it's just like piling on. But if you kind of go through his story and you see from as a child, he was selfless, right? And he grows up just continuously being this way. I don't mind that. So like, you would you would keep it edited the same. You would just take out all the angel stuff. I think you'd yeah. have you'd have to add something because you'd need to replace that voiceover narrative with a little bit of different storytelling, just slightly different. Because you, it's important that he went to save his little brother because that's how he lost his hearing. So that but you can show that though in the yep. oh yeah you're right you won't know he lost his hearing. Well, you can say that later. Yeah, and what and because you- there's a lot you'd cut out with the the just the the voiceover and angel stuff. You could you could use that a little bit of that extra time because you do need to shave a bit of time off this movie. But that extra time, some of it you could get back with just enhancing that storytelling at the front and just using a different way, different delivery method because it's all important stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like it all helps build the character and the narrative, right? Yeah. Like all that stuff, like obviously, like you say, I was shocked to fuck. I'd never, I've seen movies older than this. Like I saw Battleship Temkin, but did, like I've never watched this stuff. I watched that for school. Like as a child growing up and into my adulthood, like this is never something, I would have steered away from this, like the play. Yeah. Um, I thought so it was going to be unwatchable. Like, these that were like two hours long back here. I all assumed 
that movies would be like an hour and 40, hour and 30, right? Back in the day. Yep. So being 210 is, is a shock. Yeah, no. And then I was really scared as I was booting it up. I was, I had nightmares that this was going to be unwatchable. Um, cause you know, it, it, <laughs> I'm so concerned. yeah. Um, but surprisingly enough, I was really kind of absorbed at the heart of this movie in the, in the early stages. It was like, maybe it's cause of the age of this movie, but I, I was instantly giving it mental passes for some of the, you know, things that are happening there that don't happen now. Like, so one thing that really stood out to me is that they obviously recorded all the sound live within the shot. They wouldn't have gone back to do a lot of ADR with this. They would have done it all live. So like everyone had to get the, every bit of their performance perfectly in every take, including some of the bigger numbers where people are walking in crowds and there's a whole bunch of people talking in the room. Um, a lot of that stuff was like, I don't know. So like when there are little mistakes or you can't hear people quite as well at one second as you can the next, you don't rip it for that. Cause you're like how it's amazing. They did it this well. And then some of the, you know, the character development is, is more deliberate. It's not a very subtle movie in the way it goes, but I was giving it passes for that too, because I don't know, the, the characters are really weirdly likable. Like they work in a bank that has a crow. Who, who has that? That was like, really? I was like, I want to go there. I'd love to do that. Get a bunch of shit in his office. Old uncle fucking uncle Billy. Uncle Billy. <laughs> Yeah, like he had a fucking a whole zoo back there. He had a squirrel that crawled on him when he was like falling apart at the seams. Oh, that's right. I forgot. And the little that. squirrel comes and gives him a little shoulder hug. Like that squirrel is Hollywood royalty, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uncle Billy's like fucking uh, a zoo man. What's that guy's name? Doctor Doodle. Doctor Doodle. There you go. Yeah, Doctor Doodle. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Billy is inept though, big time. Oh, oh yeah. The thing, but like. He holds, he holds the, the savings and loans back a lot. The whole fucking group of them do, except for <laughs> Jimmy, like, which does the right thing. But if he was a corrupt dick, he'd be able to fucking run that thing well. But, like, they are not. How did they open a business in the first place, especially a bank? Like, you need to be very savvy to turn other people's money into more money because you could just lose all that money. Uh, this movie that was also like, I mean, at its heart is about a guy who's like, like super ethical, super moral, super generous. No, of course he gives us uh, his honeymoon money to those people. I know. And his wife's totally in on it too. She like waves the money around and like initiates all that. Yeah. Yeah, she does. She like holds it up and waves it. Yeah. She's the one who started it. I must have missed that. Yeah, yeah. She, she. I thought he just pulled the water out of his pocket and started paying people because he left her in the car. Oh uh, no! She comes in and she like instigates it. She's like, she like says we have this money, and then he like runs back there. I, I like that they do that because it shows that she was okay with him doing it. Like she, she offered it up as his help for those people. How do you feel about her being an old maid if she doesn't hook up with Jimmy in the fucking flashback? Like, she, they, they play her off to be like, you could have had anybody. You could have had anybody. She's like, well, I wanted you. But in reality, no, nobody wanted her. No. Nope. Not that hee-haw guy. No, nobody took her. No. She had no, yeah. a fucking library. Like, oh, hee-haw guy moved away and became super loaded. See, like. Yeah, the- he's like, you want to get in on plastics? Yeah. And he's like, no, I don't like, want your no. swanky plastics. It's bad for the it's environment. 
Jesus. Say, like, I, don't, I don't want to wear your plastics, and I don't want to get married ever to anybody. Yeah. Like, man, do you hear me? <laughs> wanted to be free, man. He wanted to, like, just, he just wanted to spread his seed around, maybe. <laughs> well, give me a seed. I have a question for you, though. Do you feel like it's enough? Like, he sacrifices his entire life and dreams against his will, too. Like, he doesn't, oh, he yeah. doesn't stay there for the bank. They basically blackmail him, yeah. To stay there and give his life up to work for that bank. You can leave, so, but we'll all die. Yeah, so then he saves it. And then at the end, they're like, yeah, but look how poor off all these, how bad all these people would be without you. And he's like, oh, it was all worth it. Yeah, but they're like, still, you fucking gave your life. You're not making, like, I know I know that he did all these good things for people and that the reward should be that itself. But I just kept feeling like he deserves something more than just everyone else being well. Like, he wasn't. I know that he maybe his soul's enriched or he gets to go to heaven or some shit. I, yeah. Like at the end, it's about Clarence getting his wings. Like one more favor. You know what I mean? <laughs> you have a kid. Like his kids wouldn't exist. What about Zuzu's petals? That's hilarious. Yeah. Zuzu's petals. Your, your point's really interesting though, Brent, um, about Clarence yeah. and it being just one more, just one more uh, favor for someone else. Cause what does he get at the end of the day? Like, the $8,000 is found and he doesn't go to prison. Yeah, which wasn't his fault anyways. It was his uncle's fault. I know. So he's, he's like... <laughs> going to take the fall for. And then the $8,000 just makes him right for something he didn't do. Yeah. I love and then this. at the end of it, everyone in the town is going to be like, I'm fucking paid up, Jimmy. Yeah, they are. And they'll be like, now I own my shit outright and your savings and loan is done because he ain't going to make no more interest payments. I dropped the two bits on the table at that Christmas party thing. Yeah. No, that guy in plastics though sent him $25,000. That was a loan. He was a loan of up to 25. Yeah. He'd float him, but he was going to hit him for like 10 points a week or something. He didn't say that. (laughs) He never said that though. The he guy, it was so funny because they were overusing the he thing, but he appeared so sparingly that I actually appreciated knowing who exactly the person was every time. He'd like pop in and be like, hang on, I'd be like that guy. And then off he'd go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I didn't so hate it. Yeah. Get away from establishing who he was as he changed ages. Yeah, yeah. So like the first six times I was like, son of a, and then the last six times I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, it was also pissed off because, uh, that guy had a nicer car than him and they offered to take him on a trip and him and his wife and they couldn't go. Yep. Uh, they had to stay. He was like, why don't you guys come down to the coast with me and I'll uh, go hang out. And he was like, no. And he kicked his fucking door and <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> so he was like, but he can travel like, I guess with his wife and his kids eventually. How? Maybe. Great yeah, I know. Like he's just set up for disaster. Like the writing was on the wall. Um, old, old man Peabody there was was uh, <laughs> Mr. Porter. He was like he was gonna never stop, and then his minions were gonna carry on. Like it's it's a matter of time until George goes under. Like he didn't just he didn't the days just when twenty thousand dollars a year was like a rich salary. Yeah, like, uh, we actually looked that up. Oh, New York, like. And he's like, "What? What would a twenty thousand been in that 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 
1946 would have been like in, an insane amount of money. Well, fucking groceries would be like a nickel. So, <laughs> yeah, and rent would be too. John's looking it up. I bet you. I bet you that's like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Twenty grand uh, is about two hundred and eighty-nine thousand dollars. So he floated him a quarter mil today's dollars. He called him a skeezy spider or something. He kind of does, yeah. He rips on him. George has like bursts of anger that are concerning. Yeah, he's an yeah. angry, angry man, angry guy. But that the thing is, at his core, he's a good man, and he just keeps eating shit. So, I mean, he also makes mistakes. Like he could have invested in the plastics. Yeah, he had opportunities. Morally, I didn't understand. Like, did he, he just didn't want to be in business with Hee He's like, I won't accept your help, Hee man. It was a petty thing. That guy was like, I want you in. Like, I'm, I'm here to fucking give you a hand on I, this. Yeah. I, you and your health. <laughs> he was also telling Mary to fuck herself, too, at the same time. It was, it was, it was an interesting scene. It's actually one of my favorite scenes. The whole phone call? The whole phone? And he is, like, giving them, basically telling them both to go fuck themselves. And then he starts making out with her, and they drop the phone, like, in the middle of it. And her mom is upstairs watching them. Yeah. So it was like super interesting scene that one. Yeah, it was strange. The whole entitlement around like parents being involved in their kids' love lives and stuff like that was was kind of weird. I don't hey, know. Hey, be able to say who fucks my kid? Yeah, I guess. My kid. I, I always like the pool dancing scene too, where they're where they keep getting closer to the edge and yeah. everyone keeps cheering, and then they get closer and they cheer. The movie's got a lot of charm to it. Yeah. yeah. Right? It, right? it does. It's actually quite fun. And Clarence, I like Clarence. Clarence seems like he's just a boiling alcoholic under the surface. I think so, yeah. And he yeah, he might dude. be a, he might may or may not be a diddler. I don't know. I get that. <laughs> I get that vibe from old Clarence. When he freaks out on his kids and stuff, that was pretty. That is the anger again that you guys were talking about. Yeah, but you know what? It's like this. This movie covers big topics, like depressions and world wars happen and uh like th- this place goes broke multiple times and he's got to deal with it all and that at every turn as soon as something is looking good it just flips it on him and and takes it all away and you can see his brain he just resolves to it starting with his dad's stroke and and all the way through like it it, it it's heavy there's heaviness in this film like this isn't a light christmas film this is heavy stuff there's suicide um yeah, there's like yeah, smacking, suicide too. smacking kids around, loose women, loose men. That guy fucking wallops Kid George, that pharmacist. Yeah. Also, I have to ask you, I question the legitimacy of the good of keeping the secret that that guy's incompetence killed a kid. Well, because it was a temporary incompetence because he just got a note that his son had died. So it's not like he was going to keep on being hysterical and serving up people poison. He was drinking, too. He was drunk. Yeah. Yeah, he got a telegram that said no, his son he died put, in the war. He put the wrong fucking medicine in this thing. Because he was loaded from, from his, his misery of his son dying. Yeah, but didn't that cause the fucking... No, because George didn't deliver it. He didn't deliver the medicine. He, he rang it back and showed yeah. him. And the guy realized what he had done. The, and he, gave, he stopped hitting him, gave him a hug. The, the lady who wanted the medicine called just as George got back and said, where's my medicine? And the pharmacist was like, that son of a bitch. So at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, when he, he no longer exists, 
George wasn't there to stop that guy, and then that guy did poison the kid. Because that's how the kid died. Yeah, so, like, once again, if George was not alive, he would have not been able to have stopped that incident from happening. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. So I like that. Yeah, like, the, the, the structure is actually here. The, it's some of the storytelling that, that goes a little awry, and like things like they just didn't know any better. Like some of the editing in this movie is atrocious. Some of the way some scenes end just as like yeah. something is happening. It's like next. And you're like, what? Oh my God, that's crazy. And you know, <laughs> there are some scenes where they obviously zoomed in on the, on the camera footage itself, like a, a digital zoom, I guess. So there are certain scenes that are grainier. And, and like I was talking about before the sound issues that could only come with doing a movie like this. So typically in movies up to this point, they painted cornflakes white and used them as snow, but they didn't want the sound of the crunching on the sets. Um, and so they developed a new snow made of something called fire foam um, and water and soap. And they blasted it in front of a fan and it came down beautifully. And they ended up win- winning like some crazy awards for, for doing that, for creating that new effect. And then later, like, 30 people got mesothelioma from the asbestos. God's, uh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty oh, much. Yeah, they all died. <laughs> Everybody on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Mary was, I found Mary to be, uh, you know, hot as balls, in my opinion. Mary was a booker. Yeah. So, so I get George stuck around for Mary and had, like, four kids with her. Probably had sex four times. That was the days. Oh, yeah. yeah. First oh, time. First time. So, you know, the old house, she was strangely obsessed with that old house. Um, The scene where they were throwing uh, rocks to try and hit the glass, they hired a guy to shoot a pane of glass out for her, for the actress. And she had apparently played baseball in her youth, so she was like, no problem, bitches. Oh, no way. Yeah. Did they think she couldn't hit a window with a rock from the distance? It was just a little shard. It was just a little glass shard, not a whole window, but she, she nailed it. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And I like I like when they I like their courtship where where she's in the robe and she goes in the bush and then he's not gonna give it back and stuff. I thought that was all fun. Yeah, and then he goes right from there to his dying father. There's like just little bits of that stuff and then like you can kinda tell he's in like he likes Mary, but he's just into punishing himself for I don't know. He, 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 they trickle that kind of stuff in. Like I think Brent's right. He like does it to himself in the decisions he makes, and um, things bad things happen to him, and he's catching it from both ends. So I, I can see like they, they do a good job working it up to eventually the scene where he's sitting with Potter, and Potter makes the joke about him being better, better off, or better to people dead than alive, and you can see his face kind of change, and and then the idea starts to grow from there. So it's more valuable. Yeah, he's more. He's worth more. Yeah. On, yeah, on paper. And the, the way Billy the way Billy makes the mistake of dropping the money in the newspaper was, you know, they overdid all the acting around that and him searching and all that stuff, but that was an effective way for them to get into trouble and Potter they had built as the bad guy. Um so the way he acted was totally appropriate. You freaking hate that guy. Yeah, and I kept expecting that he might come around or something like that because I thought it was an old movie where at the end everyone <laughs> comes around but he he doesn't ever no yeah right to the end and he keeps that eight grand yeah and i was wondering is he gonna be like a christmas miracle and be like ah yeah. he's nice he's like look you george i can't deal with your goodness anymore merry christmas yeah he should just cough up blood at the end for like a little fucking validation or something you know 
just something to give a nod that he's fucking got something about him. I mean, there's a couple unrealistic things at the end, like those guys who have the warrant for his arrest. At one point, they start giving money, and then the one guy like tears up the yeah. arrest. Frozen in the pile. You yeah, can't, like, you can't do that. No. Back until I roughly counted eight grand in that pile. <laughs> but even if, even if there is eight thousand dollars there, that wasn't what George was being arrested for. It's for misappropriation. Yeah, exactly. Which so he is still guilty of. Thousand dollars. In fact, if he doesn't find the actual eight thousand dollars and he gets it from a bunch of people like he did, that's still. Like, null and void what his crime was. Disclaimer, Colin couldn't be further away from a legal expert. <laughs> well, but the point is, is that they thought he had done something with the money that was illegal, and then other people gave him the money, right? Yeah. So you, all, you don't tear up the arrest warrant. You're like, he still would have been... Uncle Billy was going to let him eat that shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, Uncle Billy's the worst. Like, in my opinion, I hate Uncle Billy the most, even though he does talk to animals. It's probably it's probably the, the symbolic crow thing that he has a crow. Like, he's the death of everything. Yeah. Like, fucking sticky fingers Billy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's a liability for sure. He's absent-minded and he handles money. Like, that's a mistake. Billy T, right? <laughs> uh, <and> wow. So... <laughs> This movie actually, like you said, is full of gravity, though. Like, when I told somebody that I was going to watch this movie, they were like, oh, that's heavy. And I was like, isn't this a fucking Christmas movie from the 40s? Like, how fucking heavy is it going to be? I expected that the most depth that the 40s got in the movie would be like, I don't, nothing close Adultery. To adultery, maybe. Or like. Yeah. yeah, adultery, maybe some death and, and fucking. But not like depression and suicide and fucking bankruptcy and prison and then some, you know, losing his hearing and just fucking constant adversity in the face of trying to be good. And like this fucking movie just beats the shit out of poor George. Yeah. And it doesn't, and it, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really come back to him at the end in a big enough way, in my opinion. Maybe, I don't know, the fact that he was. They they tried to make it seem like he was exonerated for all the bad. I mean, obviously that's what they were doing with all the money and the ripping up of the things. But <clears throat> it's still uh, you would hope that maybe he'd get like a lot more than he needed, and that people were like, "You never need to work again, George." Like I don't know. It it's interesting throughout the movie, like leading up to his wedding, where people are like holding up posters and windows while he's making love to his wife, because that's how much everybody loves George. Fucker good, George. Just though, but just the fact that he gets his like he did. So when he gets to see what his life is like without being born, he loses his wife and his kids. Right, that alone is, in my opinion, enough that when he gets them back, he's a happy man again. He saw like his wife run away from him like he was a fucking maniac, yeah. and his kids didn't exist. I mean, isn't that enough? Yeah. Like, I think that's enough. So this is the thing missing, though, is that Dreamworld George never picks up that he's Dreamworld George. So he runs up to his wife like a fucking maniac rapist. <laughs> and, and he, at this point, has had more than enough instances where he's like, oh, I don't exist here. Like Clarence says, I don't exist here. And now I've seen evidence of that. But I'm just going to constantly forget that that's the situation. And I'm going to run up to a woman that doesn't know me and yeah. claim that we're like, we should need to run away or whatever the fuck he says to her. Like 
That shit's all bogus. And also, <laughs> notice the very obvious absence of Clarence showing George what his life would be like had he not made the decisions he makes. He might have been a fucking jet-setting playboy living in fucking Cairo or Spain or somewhere cool. You know, like fast cars, loose women, the kind of shit that he always dreamt of, right? Yeah. Or loose, whatever George wants. <laughs> he didn't get to see what his life was ever. Yeah. He just was like, this is what everyone else's life is like without you. But maybe his life was born. Well, but he wasn't born at all. Like, he didn't exist. But that's what I'm saying is this altered reality is a fucking farce. Because he's not sure. What George's problem is, is he's like, I keep doing this shit and it's fucking, it's useless. It's never helped me out. I'm still in this fucking shit situation. And he's probably always thinking, why me? Like, I'm, and it, they come back to that original decision of, of not going to school, which, by the way, he looks like a 40 year old man. Oh going my to God, school. so old. Um, and that's the point that he would constantly come back to is like, I had my life ahead of me, I was on a trajectory. And then I was made to stay in this shithole fucking town and work in this shithole fucking bank for all of you people. And where would my life have been otherwise? Yeah. Clarence never answers the question that George, if we're all being honest with ourselves, was really asking himself. I know, but like he impacted, he pretty much touched like when he wasn't born, it was like Las Vegas, Potter town there. Like, the whole town was, like, a fucking grift for Potter. So, yeah. like, everyone in the whole town's life was shittier. No, I know. They all lived in the I slums. watched the movie. I know. So what I'm saying is, is <laughs> I feel like that's a more, um, that point you're making is more um, selfish. It's like, what could have I personally had? Yeah, but that's what he's really asking himself. When he gets to that point and he's all depressed and all the rest of that shit, it's because he's, like, I know he says, like, like, I'm better off dead. I'm worth more dead than whatever. And Clarence answers the question that he would have asked himself at that moment instead of the question he would have been asking himself for decades before this. When I quit school and started to work in this town, my life fucking derailed and I lost all choice of my own. And everything after that has been a result of that forced decision, that blackmail by the town. So that's... Even even in his fantasy world to show him why he shouldn't kill himself, all that gets answered is look how much better everybody else is. Well, and his wife. Poor fucking George. I keep forgetting what his kids are a father. Can you imagine if someone showed it's you not, your wife well, and Ellie didn't yeah. exist, and then, and then you got Ellie back, you'd be like, fucking A, yeah, right? Yeah, I would sacrifice everything. For That's what I'm saying. Without Susan's a doubt. Petals, baby. But I'm saying... Ellie's petals. I'm saying, but then that's all you need to show a person. You don't need to show them about the fucking poor hobo down yeah, the street. Yeah. The yeah. Other just be like, just knock on his window and be like, hey, if you never existed, neither would your kids. And he'd be like, God damn it. That's the number one thing for me. Yeah. Instead of being like, look, if you didn't exist, 17 kids undiddled themselves. Like, well, Ed Potter would have taken over that whole town and turned it into like fucking uh, some weird fucking Bakersfield gambling hall. I know. I know. I know. It looks like a great place. It looks like it turned into Vegas. I mean, that's what I mean. It looks like it turned into Reno. It's more like low rent, so Reno. But yeah, I liked it. I mean, I like Potterville. <laughs> Potterville looks fun. But that's for me, though, not I, for George. Except for the homely ladies. <laughs> they get yeah, all, they get all homely when they're not sexed appropriately. 
Also, that girl, what's that girl's name who was just throwing it at George all the time? Oh, I can't remember. Was she a showgirl or something? Violet or... But was she a showgirl? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think she turns into... In in Potterville, she was a dancer with bad knees. Did they have strippers back then in the 40s, I guess? Yeah, but they didn't actually strip. They just went down knickers. Yeah, it might have been just dancing clubs and all that. Yeah, I so Brent, I'm I agree with you totally that all of the future I don't exist shit just went it just went too far. Like it should have been more to the point like my wife and kids don't recognize me, take me back. Instead of this random guy that we've never met is pissed that I hit his tree. Oh no, he's not. And what about this guy? He doesn't know me. And I'm gonna go to the bar where the bartender's gonna yell at me for calling him Nick when the name of the bar is Nick's. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what business do you have calling me by my name? Call me Mister, like everybody else. Yeah, he's like, how do you know who I am? Yeah, that's true. I was wondering too if if they had to put um, George in a memory like Brent was talking about, where it's his awesome future, um, because people could see the George that didn't exist in that fantasy. If people saw the George in the other fantasy, they'd be like, "Hey, didn't I just see you an hour ago? Oh my God, you're here! You're still alive, Benny!" And it'd be a totally different George. It'd be or messed up. You show George what his life would have been. You show him how everyone else was worse off. You show him he was better off. And you have him choose to be the good man and to see the value in his sacrifice. And he chooses to do that. Then again, he's not a good, like, he's a good man. He is a good man and he chooses to be a good man. But he's always fucking, um, like, even at the end with this visual, yeah. it's like, it's like everybody is worse without you, right? Yeah, that's the thing is they had to push the point hard of how much he impacted everybody else's life. I Did just would have liked to see him have, like, and I, again, I know there are moments when he chooses, but the pin, the, the, the turning point in the story where he has to stay in the town is not a real choice because, like Colin's saying, he knows it's going to turn to Potter's. It's everything's <laughs> going to turn to shit, right? Well, so he is he is object- <laughs> objectively depending who you are the new Horsville is a bad place I guess so, I mean he's always kind of handcuffed to this decision tree yeah it- I would like to see him shown a reality where maybe he had some other stuff and then he's like the greater good I'm trying to remember what they did in Scrooge. What did they show him with his uh, ghosts? The past, the future, the present or whatever? Yeah, the ghost of the But don't they show similar things? The past was him as a kid, right? Yes. Oh, that's right. They show him father's like, oh, I'm thinking of Scrooge. His father gives him veal. (laughs) 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 Anyways, we should do that movie next. Yeah, we should. But anyway, I, I don't. So, what do you guys? Okay, but I, do you guys think it holds up? I mean, I I can only think that if I had seen this a long time ago, uh, it would have left more of an impact. And I don't see what would have changed over time that would cause this movie not to hold up. So I can't really officially say it holds up because, um, because I hadn't seen it in a prior time period that's acceptable. That one's for you there, Rob. By the way. Did you enjoy it? Would you watch it again? I oh. I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it again. But if someone was watching it and it was the first time, I'd sit down with them and 
I'd have a good time gauging the reaction to like the crazy old things that people did in the forties that don't make sense now, but that's not the movie's fault. And, I'll and call it. If, you, if you're not comfortable with it, I'll call it. No, I'm saying it holds up. Like that would be the ruling I would give thumbs up. I, I would watch this again. And I, like, it's not my favorite movie. It's not the best thing I've ever seen, but I'm impressed considering the year that this was made. And, and I thought it was going to be a bag of smashed assholes, unwatchable, like horrible direction. And, and horrible acting and like too much song and dance and other crazy shit. And it wasn't that at all. Some of this was quite beautifully shot and even for a black and white movie. And they took some chances and they tried some things. And I think it's a success. It's a, it's a huge story. It's got flaws. It's way too long. And they, they could have tied it up in a nicer bow for George and his wife, but not, not, not in what I saw, like really ruined it. It's, it's just an old movie and it's sure. I would watch this again. Holds up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's that's what I was gonna say. Is despite my objections, it was those objections were things that I like. I had to really sit down and be like, "What about this movie?" Um, bugs me because I was really surprised how much I enjoyed it and how much it actually touched me. Because I like to think that I'm a good man, and I like to think that I would make hard choices to do the right thing. So I totally relate to watching him do these things right um and i and i find him to be a good man and it does affect you when you see him constantly not getting ahead despite doing the right thing but continuing to do the right thing despite like the feedback loop never being positive right it's um surprisingly enjoyable this fucking movie i expected to hate it Really, I expected to hate it, um, and I liked it. So for me, it holds up. Yeah, I enjoyed it again. I mean, the one thing, just in the you know the way modern movies are today, I felt like they leaned into things like really heavily. Like we got the fact that he was trapped in this town and he wanted to leave, but they they kept reminding us of that. But, but once again. Audiences weren't savvy like they are today, and so I feel like that was just... And I, I didn't ruin it, and I still... There's still scenes I smiled and laughed, and uh, I love the ending. I, I always love the ending. Sometimes I would get impatient, even young when I was younger, wanting to get to the ending faster, and uh, I really love the ending where they're all there, and they're singing the song. Um, what is it? The... Uh, all acquaintance be forgot. Yeah, old ang- old ang sign. And uh, yeah, and I love you know like everyone keeps coming in and pouring in money, and they keep coming with good news. And uh, the kids are there, and his wife is there, and he like rushes in, and yeah, I mean, I still really enjoyed watching this. God, it's probably been like twenty years. I found this to be emotional. Yeah, this movie emotional, man. I, by the end of it, I was in, I was all the way in, and I found it to be very touching. Jimmy Stewart's great. Too, he, man, he, he killed he, it. Movie. He oh, he's totally ki- great. Aside from the fact that he's a 50-year-old college student in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty great about it. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I don't even notice that anymore. Look, it stood out to me. I've seen it, I know. I've seen it so many times that I, I completely blindsided by it. I'm, I'm blind to it. Old but, Hollywood really took some liberties. But you're right. You're 100% right. Like the conversation with him and his dad at the table when the servant, the, the the black servant is serving them, which was a little bit 
dicey in terms of uh, look and feel. That's definitely a little racist, but, but even they're like they're nicer than I expected people to be back then. Well, but the thing was too at that time, like I had a trouble. One thing I did have trouble with is following the time of this movie because I I either didn't pay attention or didn't notice when they were showing what year it was. But when everything was happening from like a really young age and then working up, and then all of a sudden World War Two hit, like more than halfway through the movie, I think, or just about at the halfway point, I was like, whoa, it's only like 1940 right now? I thought the whole thing started in the 1940s and then we would have been working our way up. I just, I didn't think about it too much, but I also wasn't really aware, so. Um, no, I agree. I agree. It's it's hard to tell, and especially from us, like, the, the fact that fucking Potter was in a horse and carriage at the beginning, I was like, Jesus, where are we? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, he's like the richest man in town, and the car goes by, and then the richest man in town is in a horse carriage. I was like, Jesus, yeah, you have to be rich to be in a horse carriage. His brother won like the medal, uh, congressional medal of honor. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. His brother's in the best life aside from that guy that was in plastics. Yeah, (laughs) what was the guy, hee haw guy? I just call him hee haw. Can't Um, remember, Ernie, was it Ernie? Ernie, yeah, I think that is it. Yeah. He wanted Mary, I think, right? He was into Mary. I, I cold- think so. Yeah, that's why he phoned when, when George And then he even there. accuses George. He's like, he's like, what are you doing, man? You're not fucking trying to take my girl, are you? And George is like, what? No, I don't want to bang her. And then he like drops the phone. And he's like, <laughs> 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 well, no, but before he starts kissing her, what I always love is that scene because he grabs her by the shoulders and fucking shakes her like a fucking bad father with a baby. Yeah. And- want you and then he like starts rubbing his cheek against her cheek and then she starts rubbing her cheek against his but then he's still like, saying bad shit dry humping yeah <laughs> he's shaking her and then he's like saying nasty shit to her and then he kisses her and he's like i don't want to be with you I'm like that's not that's she not kisses him back she's terrified and when they, yeah and, uh, totally and when they're rubbing their cheeks against each other and stuff to me that's dry humping they're like just they're like oh god it feels so good your cheek gets my cheek. It's like I've never felt real skin before. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the song they sing. That come home tonight. We come home. Dance by the light of the moon. I love all that shit. It's called Carol, everybody. Woo, woo. I don't know what that song is called, but I think it's taking. Uh, won't you come home tonight? Won't you rub your face against my face tonight? <laughs> I just shaved. Well, I'm glad it holds up because I wasn't sure. Dude, I was shocked by this. Yeah. I was really excited to hear you guys thought. Uh, not like Pretty Woman shocked, but shocked. Uh, Yeah, no, I think Pretty Woman's a bigger surprise because that one puts a bigger... Um, that one you think is just going to be a little... A little... Like a... Totally... Fluff piece for women. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not... It's not oh, like that at all. And this excellent is, story. I even thought they were nice. They, the black character who was the maid even had a had a bit of a character. She actually had like, you know, some dialogue, and you, you you know, and like they treated her like one of the family. She comes in at the end and gets money, and everyone's like pumped about it instead of being assholes. Yeah, I just kept, and that's the thing is like maybe that seems like, but my impression of this time period was that people were incredibly racist assholes. Yes. And of course there were good people, but mostly not. Yeah, so, this was in I mean, 
surprised by that. This was up in New York, so the, you know, northern, more northern states in that area would be a generally a bit more accepting, yeah. but you know, not enough not to have black serving people exclusively. Yeah. But yeah, but like she was a, a nice and pleasant character for sure. They did give her some fat to chew on. It wasn't just like a background thing. Like the staff is here. It was. It was more than that. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, I forgot all about all that stuff and I thought it was good. Well, I'm glad it holds up. Yeah, me too. Me too. So this is our pre-Christmas episode, everyone. We wish you happy holidays. Can we say Merry Christmas and you won't be too pissed? That'd be nice. That'd be real nice. <laughs> and we're, we're obviously recording uh, remotely again just because here where we are in, in Alberta, it sucks. It's People are crazy, and there's lots of shit going on. So we're kind of basically in lockdown, can't be with each other. But in good news, we are continuing to do things. And next week, we got our post-Christmas special coming along, too, which is going to be a bit of an exciting one. So that'll be fun. So thanks for listening, everybody. It was so nice to have you here, and uh, Merry Christmas to you. And as always, enjoy your shit Christmas. Enjoy your shit Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I wanna do that. Enjoy your shitty Christmas, everybody. Because <laughs> it's gonna be shit. Merry fucking Christmas. Enjoy your shit. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM.